0: Today we come to Revelation chapter 14. This chapter concludes the section that began in chapter 12. Uh, For two chapters now, chapters 12 and 13, we have seen the constant and unwavering efforts of Satan to defeat and to conquer Christ and his church. The spiritual war going on is what gives rise to and explains the anti-Christian bias and forces in the world today. These will continue and become increasingly worse until Christ comes again. In chapter 14, though, we see the victory of Christ and the church in him played out for us again. Um, One word before we dive in. If you're a Christian and this chapter doesn't light your fire to some extent, you you might want to recheck some things. Um, It's a simple chapter. If there is such a thing in Revelation, it is a straightforward chapter account of the end. And we've seen the opposition, and now Jesus puts an end to it with his second coming. Now, just be mindful, of this. this is how we're marking these sections. Remember back in chapter 12, we had the dragon trying to stop the first coming of Jesus, and this just child is born. That's the first coming of Christ. That's what marks off this the beginning of this section. And now, two chapters later, it ends with this um account of the end of the of the second coming of Jesus. So from the first coming to the second coming. Um this chapter really doesn't require a lengthy explanation. You either believe it or you don't. <laughs> so let's take a look. Uh, here comes the Sun. I would uh say that's a good uh idea we found here. After two chapters of examining the opposition of Satan and the tools that he, he has at his disposal to do harm to the church of Christ, the two beasts. It's a welcome sight to open this chapter with the Lamb standing there with all who uh, belong to him. Uh, verse That's verse 1. Recall from chapter 7 that the 144,000 represent all the redeemed of the Lord. See also verses 3 and 4. So the victory is about to begin. Verses 6 through 14 seems to be One more prelude before the coming of Christ. In in those verses, we find warnings to those who have not repented, um, bowing and giving their lives to Christ to serve him and and love him. These warnings are given by uh, three angels. The first angel shouts the eternal gospel and calls people to repent, to fear God and give him glory. This is verses 6 and 7 fear God and give him glory because the hour has come for the Lord to return the point at which it will be too late for those who refuse to repent. The second angel comes in verse 8 proclaiming the downfall of Babylon which represents everything that draws people away from Christ and seduces them to continue in their pride and rebellion against God. Then the third angel follows verses 9 through 11 and proclaims judgment on those in the world who choose to continue in rebellion against God and who choose to follow the way of the world and belong to the world. We've seen in previous chapters, for example, with the sounding of the seven trumpets, that God has continually given various partial and initial judgments throughout the history of the world to be a wake-up call uh, to people to bring them to repentance and salvation. But even then, throughout the history of the world, these preliminary judgments of God on the world were always mixed with his mercy and blessing. Matthew 5:45 example he for example he sends rain on the just and the unjust the scary thing here is according to the third angel is that when Christ returns there will be no more mercy intermingled with the wrath of God to the one who opposes Christ to the end he will be made as verse 10 says he will be made to drink the wine of God's wrath um, poured full strength into the cup of his anger. And he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb in hell. That's sobering. That last phrase is interesting. When we read through Second Thessalonians, Paul made the statement that those who persist in unbelief, um, 2 Thessalonians 1.9, will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord And from the glory of his might. Well, now here in Revelation 14, we're told that those in hell will suffer and be tormented in the presence of the Lamb. So is it away from the presence of the Lord, or is it in the presence of the Lamb? (laughs) This is not a contradiction. There are two ways of thinking about the presence of God. There is a sense in which, because God is infinite, he is present everywhere, even in hell. There is another sense we might call his manifest presence, in which God per- is purposefully present with the intention to bless and reward. This is the difference between heaven and hell. In, in hell, the reprobate will be cast utterly away from the manifest presence of God. But he will nevertheless be able to ex- escape, even in hell, the awesome glory of God that is now coming down on him unrelentingly in judgment and torment. That's what exacerbates the torment. The warnings have now been given. In light of the coming victory, the people of God are called and encouraged to endure. And in verse 12, keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. And in light of the coming victory, those who have refused to bow the knee to Christ are given one final chance. It is an opportunity for them to finally get smart and worship the one who made all things and in whose hand is the power to save. Because when Christ comes, all chances are gone. When he comes, Scripture says he comes with a sharp sickle in his hand (laughs) uh, with which he will reap the earth and separate the sheep from the goats. For many, this will be a most terrifying day. For believers, it is a day for which we can long for and rejoice. Paul looked forward to that day and said in 2 Timothy 4, 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Just a couple of thoughts from Revelation chapter 14.